Good morning. Today is Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Before I begin, allow me to share a brief health warning. Thankfully, in Montreal and many other places, the number of COVID infections, hospitalizations, and deaths is declining. Thank God, that's wonderful. May it continue. But there is ominous news about the COVID variants. Today's Gazette reports, it only takes seconds to become infected with the UK variant. And yesterday, the Montreal Public Health Department reported that this variant, which has been reported, is already present throughout Canada, is in fact present within our own local Jewish community. So I urge all of us to be extremely cautious and not to be lulled into complacency by the current improvement. Hopefully it will be sustained and not just a temporary improvement, but that will only happen with our sustained caution. So I urge all of us to be very, very careful. Our Torah portion this week, the Parsha of Mishpatim, introduces capital punishment. The Torah says, Make ish v'meis, most you must, for the crime of murder and a small number of other crimes, the punishment is execution. At the same time, within the oral law and later rabbinic law, on procedure and evidence, makes it virtually impossible to carry out capital punishment within Jewish law. And I discussed before with you why the Torah would prescribe a punishment and then make it practically almost impossible to impose it. It's clear, however, that today our POSIC cannot be used to support capital punishment in countries around the world because our verse is only relevant when there is a Sanhedrin and when the base of Migdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem is standing and the entire scope of Jewish law is in place, which has not existed in the last 2000 years. So the question of whether Jewish law supports capital punishment today relates to a different subject, and that is the subject of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, the seven Noahide laws. So among the seven categories of laws that the Torah prescribes for all of humanity, one of them is a mitzvah called dinim, which means that every society, every government, is required to have a judicial system, a system of justice, a structure for law and order. And the mitzvah says that each society has the right to decide for itself what that structure should be and what the details of its laws should be. So the question is, under this mitzvah of dinim, 
does a society have the right to decide on a legal system that includes taking the life of a guilty person? One approach says, yes, but it must reflect the values and lessons from classic Jewish law. It must be very rare. It must have a very high bar for evidence and testimony, disallowing circumstantial evidence or conflicting testimony. And it must protect the dignity of the prisoner, even in how the execution is carried out, among other lessons that Jewish law has to teach. Another approach says, no, no, it is never okay for a society or a government to impose this punishment. The mitzvah of dinim does not include the right to be able to take someone's life, even in punishment for a crime. My understanding of the sources leads me to support this second approach opposing capital punishment today. And I am proud that Canada does not allow capital punishment. And I hope the U.S. will move towards this in the near future. For anyone who thinks about the morality of capital punishment today, I urge you to watch a gripping but difficult movie. The title is Dead Man Walking. Maybe you've seen it. It's based on a book by that title written by Sister Helen Prejean. Helen is a woman who lives in New Orleans, Louisiana. She lives in a housing project and she became the spiritual advisor to someone on death row in Angola State Prison, which is in the northern corner of Louisiana. And the film is about how she tried to recognize the humanity of a monster who had committed unspeakable crimes, ministering to him without minimizing his crime, while at the same time supporting families of the victims. A couple of years after the events in the movie, but years before the movie was made, so this is about 35 years ago, Helen called me. We were living in New Orleans at the time. It was my first rabbinical position. And there was a death row inmate who had requested a rabbi. And Helen called me and asked if I would go. And I did. So I became the spiritual advisor to a man who was convicted of killing his wife and two daughters. It's not really relevant. I don't think he was actually Jewish, but he asked for a rabbi and I went. And to this day, I consider Sister Helen Prejean my teacher and my mentor.
when the movie came out, I went to see it alone. It was very emotional for me. And as I watched the movie, I recognized the scenes that were actually shot on location. There's an opening scene of the project where Helen lives. And I remember walking in that exact spot, going to meet her for the first time. Some of the scenes were filmed in the outdoors of Angola State Prison, and I could recognize those locations. There was one small detail in the film that was not accurate. The scenery around the prison, which is in the middle of nowhere in northern Louisiana, very remote. I remember very clearly, it was about a three or four hour drive from New Orleans. The last half hour or so was incredibly ugly. The trees and the bushes were somehow uh, stunted and twisted. It looked like what I would imagine it to look like in the aftermath of a nuclear holocaust. It's the only way that I can describe it. It's a place where the natural surroundings express anger and violence. There are special procedures for visiting someone on death row, separate building, much higher security than the maximum security of the rest of the prison. It's a very noisy, brutal, dehumanizing, and terrifying place. When I would go to visit, I would be escorted in through various checkpoints. And we were only allowed to meet in a special room that was fully separated by a heavy, thick metal mesh with one chair on either side bolted down and one door on either side. So the procedure is they would escort me into the room, lock the door, go and get the prisoner from his cell and bring him in through the other door to the other side. We would speak and after the visit, they would take him out and I would stay until they had returned him to his cell and then they would come for me and take me out. And I remember very clearly sitting alone, waiting for them to come and realizing that at that moment, I was locked up on death row. Now, I know that logically, I knew then logically, and I know now logically, that I was leaving, unlike the man who I came to visit, who was, in fact, executed shortly after we left New Orleans for Connecticut. Objectively, I was left alone, locked in that room for probably no more than 10 or 15 minutes, but it sure seemed a lot longer.
And there is no feeling in the world like the feeling, even temporarily, that there is no way out. But maybe that's part of what it takes in order to be able to apply the Torah's requirement to treat even such a person under such circumstances with compassion and dignity. And ultimately, to realize that there is simply no way to fulfill that today. I continue to be haunted by that experience and grateful to Sister Helen Prejean for giving me that opportunity. I continue to admire her and to be inspired by her. And I learn the verse in our Torah portion as a lesson in what not to do today. My friends, I wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.